Dr. Mike here. My guest today is a true aging research pioneer. Stick around to listen to what he has to say about aging and longevity. This is Live Forever-ish with Michael A. Smith, MD. Here's Dr. Mike. So my guest today is Dr. Arbery DeGray. He is the Chief Science Officer of SENS Research Foundation, a California-based biomedical research charity that performs and funds laboratory research dedicated to combating the aging process. And he's also VP of New Technology Discovery at AgeX Therapeutics. Dr. Arbery DeGray, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Let's start off with this. Um, you know, knowing that you've been with the SENS research for a very long time now, you guys are looking at the aging process. You know, my 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 listeners really want to know where where do we stand in our understanding really of the aging process, not just as as a person, but even at that cellular level. Where where are we in, in all that research? Yeah, it's the right question to start with, because the fact is, most people think we understand aging very poorly, but actually we understand it pretty well. There's plenty that we don't understand, for sure, about how the body works and how it eventually goes downhill. But in order to understand aging well enough to be able to do something about it with medicine, all you need is to kind of characterize it, to understand what is different about the microscopic, the molecular and cellular structure of an older person relative to a younger person. If you can understand that, then you can attack that and try to repair it, you know, try to turn that structure back to how it was at an earlier age. And you don't need to understand how it got that way, you know, in the, the, the fine details of why metabolism has these side effects that eventually lead to a decline in function. I, I, get, I think that is a fascinating answer because I think most people, a little bit differently, like they want to know how that structure became damaged with age. Instead, you look at it, okay, well, we know it's different. Let's characterize how it's different, and now we can try to target to reverse it. Is that kind of your approach to it? <laughs> Pretty much. And actually, when you say that most people would think that they need to understand it, that's actually not strictly true. Um, it may be true among the scientific community, but that's because that's what scientists do. Scientists are all about testing hypotheses and understanding nature for the sake of understanding it. But I'm not really thinking of it from a scientific perspective like that. I'm thinking about it from a technological perspective. Let's remember that medicine is a branch of technology, right? Uh, in medicine, what we're trying to do is not understand nature for the sake of it, but rather to manipulate nature. And of course, what we need to do in order to do that is we need to understand nature somewhat, but there comes a point where we understand enough. And that's where I'm saying we're already at pretty much with regard to aging. So when you talk about some of the structural changes that you see uh, around a cell, within a cell, what are some of the, the key things you're looking at to target to try to take it back to the way it was when the cell was younger or the person was younger? Well, a lot of it is at the level of simply how many cells we have. So there are various um, parts of the body in which over life cells die and they are not naturally replaced automatically by the division of other cells. And so, of course, the number of cells progressively declines and eventually there are not enough of them. And there are other things that go wrong where we get eventually too many cells for the body to cope with of a particular type because they're dividing when they're not supposed to, which, of course, is pretty much the definition of cancer, or, for that matter, when they're not dying when they are supposed to. 
So all of those things matter when you have the wrong number of cells of a particular type. But then also, of course, we have to worry about the molecular level. So even if a cell may be present in the right number, um, there may be stuff inside the cell that's bad for it that may be progressively going wrong. You know, just waste products accumulating, for example, right. or mutations accumulating that make it work less well. And that also applies to the um, the stuff that's outside of our cells. Of course, the cells of our body are not the whole of what we're made of. We're also made of stuff that holds those cells together into the structure that allows us to operate. And that material also undergoes molecular changes, including the accumulation of waste products. You mentioned in there some um, the word mutation, um, and I think you wrote a paper. You've done you've done some talks at least on. Uh, mitochondrial mutations. Tell us a little bit about that and and how that affects the, the aging process in a cell. Sure, yeah. So, of course, nearly all of our DNA resides in our chromosomes in the nucleus of the cell. But there's this small amount of DNA that sits in the special parts of the cell called mitochondria, which are the place where the chemistry of breathing happens, by which I mean simply the place where oxygen is chemically combined with the stuff we eat, so the nutrients that we eat, so as to extract energy from those nutrients that is used for all the processes that the body has to perform. And uh, it turns out that that process, the chemistry of breathing, is really hairy, and it creates toxins. It creates free radicals, which are nasty, highly reactive molecules, which means that it's a really bad place for DNA to be. Um, and we'd really rather it weren't. But the result is that the DNA in the mitochondria accumulates damage much, much more rapidly than the DNA in the nucleus. And even though there's a very small amount of it, you know, it accounts for a very small minority of our total DNA, nevertheless, it's absolutely essential. And if it stops working, then, you know, things, bad things happen. So, yes, and we think that this is a an important part of aging to address, and we're not, we're not alone. People have been thinking this for a long time. But where we are alone is that we have come far closer than anybody else has ever done to actually addressing this properly. Essentially, our approach is something that was first suggested more than 30 years ago, but everyone basically gave up on it, and we kind of revived it, which is essentially to put backup copies of the mitochondrial DNA into the nuclear DNA, where it's much safer, uh, with modifications that allow it to work, even though the DNA is now in the wrong place. Wow, that's very. So, where are you at in that research? Is that? How, well, I guess I should. Hey, how close is that to clinical practice? It's pretty close now. Um, so, we worked on it with essentially no significant results for about ten years, and everyone thought we were crazy. But then, a couple of years ago, I mean, just under uh, just under two years ago, yes, we published a paper that showed that we had really got something going. It was a, a really a, just a first step, showing that just two out of the 13 genes that we need to make these copies of, uh, we could get them to work. And even then, only in a Petri dish in cell culture. But if you can do even two of them, then that's a huge step towards doing everything. And in the intervening time, in the intervening two years, we have ind indeed made huge progress towards getting all of the others working. So I believe that we are, well, we're likely to be publishing a couple more papers talking about our uh, most recent work in the next uh, six months to a year. And I believe that we could certainly be in the clinic in terms of clinical trials for this kind of thing within a couple of years from now.
My guest is Dr. Arby DeGray. He's the chief science officer of SENS Research Foundation. Dr. DeGray, if there is, uh, do you have a website um, that my listeners can go to to learn more about what you do? Uh, maybe make a we donation should, if they're uh, really wanting to. Yeah, good. Can you give us that? We should. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called sense.org. That's sense without an E at the end. So that's S for sugar, E for elephant, N for November, S for sugar, dot O-R-G. And uh, yes, there's a nice friendly donate button, but there's also huge amounts of information <laughs> written for every kind of audience, all the way from the absolute specialist right down to people who know nothing about this. Let me one last question for you. Um, so what's emerging now is something, I guess, known as the rejuvenation type industry, rejuvenation type medicine. How, how is that? How does that compare to what you do in, in trying to combat the aging process? Well, basically, we are responsible for it. The whole idea of ignoring or at least um, sidestepping the process by which the body accumulates damage, and instead going after that damage and repairing it, that is what rejuvenation medicine is. And when I first suggested that we might be able to do rejuvenation comprehensively, and that it might be easier than slowing down the rate at which the body creates damage in the first place, you know, that was nearly 20 years ago now, and it was not very well received by many scientists back then, because it was very, very new and radical and heretical. But it's pretty much established now, and certainly the um, uh, investment community, as you say, is beginning to get heavily involved. So, of course, it's academically very established and respectable now, but it's more than that. We have taken project after project through to a point where we were able to spin them out into startup companies that have all been quite thriving, quite successful in bringing in seed money and so on. And so, yes, you're absolutely right to mention it. Rejuvenation medicine is precisely what we do, and it's and we and it's what we pioneered. So, just in summary, you know, I have a lot of listeners that I know are very interested in in the work that you're doing. In summary, what would you like them to know about the aging process and the research you're you're committed to? The fundamental thing I'd like people to pay attention to is that it is no longer acceptable to make your peace with aging. The fact is, aging is a really ghastly thing, and we've known that for a very long time. And, you know, 20 years ago, it certainly did make sense to make one's peace with aging, because we didn't have a plan for how to do anything about it in the foreseeable future. But now, if you take that attitude, then what you are doing is you are slowing down the research. You are slowing down the enthusiasm, the urgency of society that needs to exist in order that the remaining scientific and biomedical research that needs to be done to get these therapies in place can be done as quickly as possible and that the maximum number of lives can be saved. So now is the time to stop making your peace with aging. Now is the time to let yourself get your hopes up, to get emotionally invested in this and not to think about this as science fiction anymore. The website is sends.org. Tons of information at that site, plus a big donation button. All of it helps. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of the research that uh, Dr. DeGray is, is doing comes from uh, donations just like you who are listening. So that's sends.org. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're listening to Live Foreverish. For more podcasts, please visit liveforeverish.com. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.